to Cloud Bar. I am Naima Cochran, a 20-year music industry veteran who also has experience in artist management, and now I'm known mostly as a music and culture writer. Uh, Cloud Bar always seeks to offer information, resources, education to our SoundCloud creative community. And for the month of August, we are focusing on music industry business education. We just finished talking to Taz and Nick of Internet Money about what it looks like for an artist to put their team together that's going to help them start and grow their career through the various aspects of their career, artist, producer, executive, and mogul, etc. So now, Kyle, on the heels of that, we're going to talk about your choices between going the independent route, which a lot of more people are taking as the industry evolves and changes, or staying with the major label um, route as an alternative. And we have with us three excellent, excellent people to speak to this conversation um, that have experience and that have insight on all sides of this argument. So we have Moody Jones, who is VP of Digital and Creative with Empire Records. We have Gabby Peluso, who is the general manager of Asylum Records. And I'm going to let each of you tell your story a little bit um, yourselves. And we have Chris Atlas, who's the EVP of Urban Music and Marketing at Warner. So welcome, guys. Thank you for your time today. Um, I want to ask each of you, before we get into questions, to tell us a little bit about your background. Moody, we'll start with you. How did you get to Empire? What's your background? Sounds good. Um, well, it's nice to be here with everyone. Um, I started off 10 years ago. I used to throw events in Montreal, um, and I used to work at an agency during the day. And then um, eventually, um, I don't know how, I ended up starting an HR company with my friend. It got bought out, and the person that bought it out was about to start a company called Weibo. Um, so I went there and built this ad agency um, along with the CEO. Um, three years into it, we ended up working with Atlantic, Universal, um, every major label, we ran all their digital. And one of the clients happened to be Empire. And then uh, I went down to meet them one time. And uh, they were like, how about you jump ship and come here? I was like, that sounds like a good idea. And here we are. Sorry, I was muted. And what kind of label is Empire? Can you explain to us a little bit? Absolutely. So um, Empire is an independent label. We started off as a distributor. Um, which means that we were only in charge of transporting your music and putting it on the DSPs and then eventually moved on to become a, a completely independent label. I know a lot of people use that word independent, um, not you know loosely. I'm, I'm not sure if everyone understands what it means, but um, to be independent means that you know it's a private company, essentially. There, there's, there's no other stakeholders. Um, so we kind of operate within our own playground. Um, we're not trying to please anybody. Um, we kind of make decisions the way we feel, you know, our gut tells us and, um, you know, we kind of keep everything internally. Got it. Thank you. And Gabby, what about you? You have a pretty extensive background before you got to asylum. Can you tell us a little bit about your journey? Yeah, sure. So I basically started off my career. I have to give you my age now because I've been doing this for a hundred years, but I've been in the business for 22 years. I started off at Def Jam in 96 as an intern and then made my way through the company um, to eventually become the GM and spent the majority of my career there just learning obviously the major label side and never really even thinking about the independent world. Um, when I got burnt out in that space, 
which happens quickly. I left and took a little bit of time off, but I, while I was taking some time off, I, I was managing a client with my mentor, Kevin Lyles, and he was signed to an indie, uh, well, Caroline, which Moody's point, we can get into the different independent structures, but I realized in the indie space to get an artist out, it was so much easier. You weren't stuck behind this clogged up pipeline. It was just a quicker way of getting music out and dealing with less complaints from the artist. So I really fell in love with this independent type of way of doing things. And then I did a quick stint at E1 and then eventually ended up at Asylum, went back with Julie Greenwald and, Kev and uh, Mike Kaiser gave me a call to just be like, we wanna revamp Asylum, would love to have you come on board. So it's really been for me trying to figure out a way to create a system. Like Moody said, we uh, ADA is a distribution company. So Asylum has the ability to distro deals, but we're also a record company. But I've created a lane where artists could still have independent deals through asylums. And independent deals means it's short term and you eventually end your end. Right. But, but asylum is still under uh, the umbrella of a major company. Yeah. yeah. Warner Asylum's Music. under WEA and then Asylum Distro is through ADA. Right. Um, Chris, you are maybe only edging Gabby out by a little bit to be the OG in the group here. Um, oh, definitely. And, and you guys have really kind of like a, you, you guys basically did all this shit together in the same places. So what's, what's your story? How are you here? I got a, I got a couple years on Gabby. She is, my, <laughs> she, she is my family. I told her not to look so serious. <laughs> um, and Naima, thanks for uh, having me today. And Moody, sure. what's up? Um, you know, I'm actually probably what, 25 plus, uh, definitely started on the internship route at Tommy Boy Records, um, which at the time was started as an indie and became a major indie, just given, um, you know, the climate in the late 90s. Uh, from there, I actually worked at Cornerstone, um, which also kind of continued that indie entrepreneurial uh, experience on the promo and marketing side. Uh, then uh, I had the opportunity to go work at Def Jam uh, which Gabby knows, like, that's like the school of hard knocks. So we worked together <laughs> a number of years at Def Jam, uh, which honestly, I think were probably some of the best years of that label, but we won't get into that. And then uh, <laughs> uh, currently I'm at uh, uh, Warner Records now. I've been at Warner for the past three years and, uh, um, you know, I've started at Warner as part of the team to uh, revitalize and revamp just the urban music and urban proposition uh, uh, of artists and releases at Warner. So all three of you guys, and thank you, all three of you guys have seen the business shift and change quickly. I think the past decade have seen like the biggest changes that we've seen in the business in the last 40 something years of hip hop, especially. Um, last In our last segment, one of the things we were talking about is how important it is for an artist to know what kind of artist they want to be before they start deciding like who they're picking as management, who they're, what kind of team they need. Can you guys talk about that in terms of making this choice? I think that with the, with the rise of digital, a lot of people just assume that no matter what you want to do, going the independent route is just the easiest, but it doesn't always necessarily mean it's the best. So I'm going to, in terms of seniority, Chris, I'm going to start with you. Can you talk a little bit about the importance in what kind of artist you are or, or what kind of artist you want to be or what your goals are before you decide what route you want to take in terms of, of getting signed or just getting a distro deal, et cetera? 
Yeah, I mean, I think that's an excellent point because if you're going to choose to be indie or you want to potentially go on a major, you do have to, you know, know what world you want to live in. Because I think that we are blessed with this opportunity where you can actually stay independent and be highly successful if that's the route you want to take in terms of, uh, you know, how you want to creatively express yourself. And there's other avenues where from a major label standpoint, if you're looking to potentially expand, whether it's at radio or you're looking to expand on the international prospects of your release um, to uh, just even the publicity aspect of your releases, it's important to understand which lane you want to be in, because I think that that can help uh, not only make the decision, but it will set and help set the tone for the type of artist you want to be. And one, the experience you can get out of remaining independent versus the experience that you want or the resources that you'd want to get in going to or looking for a major label. Um, I think I think the two are kind of hand in hand because to me, the some of the better artists understand that and they know, okay, I want to go to this or I'm looking for a major label to give me these things in terms of services or resources that I can't necessarily do, you know, on my own. And that kind of helps differentiate the course you want to go. So, and, and I'll take that and kick it over to Gabby. So Gabby, you mentioned that you can still get artists indie deals, but I think you said something that was very key. It may mean that it ends in a shorter amount of time. Um, so can you kind of speak to what that, that trade-off looks like? Like if I want to go to an asylum versus a Warner proper, like what does that look like in terms of building a career? I mean, listen, the, the reality of it is, is that you have to learn the business as an artist, because if you're paying attention to what's happening behind the scenes, when you, when you, if you put your music up on DistroKid or through Empire or any of those standalone indies, you're looking at your statements, you know what type of money comes in per view, per stream. So you, you see what you're able to make in that space. If you need a little bit of a boost, and you want to get some money put in your pocket to help you with whatever you need on the other side, visuals, if you need to have somebody help you get things on playlist, if you, if you want to take that leap and you want a little bit of help without signing your life away to a major, and when I say that, that means if you're going to take a loan from a bank, you have to pay it back before you're out of debt. So right. in an asylum situation, the, the deals are short term, which means... We're going to sign a small deal. We're going to give you a little bit of money and you don't have to be with me after you drop your first album. You're able to go after your first album so that you're not in a marriage that you hate. You could just take it to the next level if things don't work out. So short term, so, that. Right. So you mentioned signing your life away, which means advance and recruitment. And we're going to come back to that. I just wanted to drop a, put a pin in that um, and go to you really quickly, Moody. So, with, so Chris mentioned, um, so, you know, Gabby just mentioned advances recruitment and and and, and uh, pointed to the fact that when you go with a major, you're, you're signing with them for an extensive amount of time. You might have like two albums and an option, three albums and an option, et cetera. It's a long-term commitment. With and, and Chris mentioned radio and international and some of the other things that really get mostly out of a major label relationship. But Empire, you guys are really kind of, um, been an illustration of like a new business model in terms of indie, but can you tell us a little bit about like what comes with, what do you like, what do you offer? What is the difference between an empire and going to a Warner or an Atlantic? 
Sure. Well, first, I love Gabby's tone. Like, I was going to tone it down <laughs> against the majors, but she went all No, nah, we got to keep it real. Let's I'm keep like, it real. Like, leave it up. Like, leave it up to me to put it in I'm plain English. Right Y'all say what's on your heart. <laughs> um, I'm so... I think um, I think there's a lot of differences. Um, I'll pig piggyback off what Gabby said. The point where she was talking about people looking at their uh, looking at their statements and seeing their royalties and things like that. I think the first step that makes Empire different is from the get go. We wanted to educate, um, and so you know we spend time with the artists explaining to them the differences, how to read a contract, how to how to how to look at your revenue. Like these are not things that most art you think all artists know how to do that, but they don't which is why you'll hear these stories about signing their lives away. It's, it's, an, it's an issue with education. Um, so on the Empire side, like none of our deals have ever been, um, like every single deal has been in favor of the artist. Every single deal at Empire. I mean, that's just off the bat. Um, second, because we're completely independent um, from, from the publishing side to the recording side to the label side, it's all independent. Um, you never have to fall through the corporate process. So you're not at the mercy of legal department. You're not at the mercy of the A&R schedule. It, you know, so, and it's a double-edged sword because you'll have artists that say, hey, I want to drop this tomorrow. Um, and we'll advise them, you know, like maybe you want to wait a few days, but they have that freedom to do that. Um, as opposed to being with a major where it's like, no, sorry, you know, our next slot might be in four weeks and you might have to change your artwork. And then I'm not really sure that title is going to work. And, you know, because it, you know, and that, and that just goes to show you that you're not a, uh, you're not in the priority sequence. You know what I'm saying? It's more right. like these are already reserved for our primary slots. Um, the other thing, which which not a lot of people talk about, but um, and this is just what I've learned from joining Empire, is being independent isn't just an external thing. It's also an internal thing. At the company, everyone feels like they're kind of their own entrepreneur. They're, everyone's like running it like an independent business. Um, everyone's trying to watch it grow. No one's limited by their title. Everyone moves around. And, and, and so that freedom is even internally at, at your role, um, which is something I, I love and I would never give up. Um, so I can't imagine as an artist, right. I'm sure that's what I would want as well. Okay, but let's, okay, so let's talk about the contrast though. So you mentioned that artists might come to you and say, I want to drop this tomorrow. There's not a hard release schedule. So just to clarify for our creators who are listening, if you're in a major, you have a whole department that staggers and schedules when you go to radio, when your singles come out, when your albums come out, so make sure they get fed to the DSPs to make sure we have art deadlines, assets, all that good stuff. In. So Gabby or Moody, if your artist is coming to you and saying, I want to drop a single, are they having to deliver to you label copy, art, are you shooting a video for them? Are you routing them on a promo tour? Like what, what do you guys offer them? Or is it just, we're going to get the song out for you? Moody, do you want me to jump in real quick? Yeah, please. You pump me up. Okay. So you go. <laughs> <laughs> so listen, the, the, the reality of it is if you're coming into the space as an independent, the, the, the upside of that is we don't control your creative. You, mm -hmm. If you want to put out a, a single art with you standing there with your finger in your nose, I don't think it's a good idea. But if you want to do that, then proceed. If right. you are in a different system where you just got a deal and they spent a shitload of money on you, you're going to rest assured everybody's going to weigh in on what your single artwork looks like, what the sound is, what the song is, what the Pantone color is. You're not 
you're not walking as freely as you would. And that is the gift and the curse of being an independent artist. Because you also have to do the artwork yourself, whereas no, at a no, label, we, they I come mean, in. You do we do provide. the artwork. We okay, provide okay. artwork. We have, a, we have a creative team. I mean, okay. this, this is the beauty of being in a space where you have Empire set up. There's the staff. You have your a limited staff. You don't have 200 people like Chris has, but you have your main crew. So you have somebody that does creative, radio, marketing, yeah, blah, blah, yeah. blah. But there is a different process of how things get released in an independent system as opposed to a major system because there's many eyeballs that touch what goes out on a major label system. And right. many opinions. And that's for good reason because you're not fucking up the type of money that we're <laughs> this because right. you you know more than us right you under so it's what is first give and take what is the radio what is the radio situation look like because i i feel like um we spoke earlier about making different choices based on what kind of artist you are i've always told people that one of the main reasons that even though people always say that majors will end is that as long as artists need radio you will always need a major label system but what does that look like i i know for a fact empire you guys do promo runs and stuff like that too i'm sure asylum does too what really would you say is the difference there in terms of what would you say is the difference in terms of like support shared services um Etc. in the course of like your rollout? Listen, radio, I'm, I'll say it really quick. Radio is a, is a beast mm -hmm. in its own, period, yep. end of story. So there is nobody in the independent space that could do what they do at majors because majors have a field staff. There's people mm -hmm. out in the marketplace moving the artist around, going to radio. Independents can do it, we do it. Move, I, Empire works records at radio. They get top 10 records, they get top five records. It can be done, but it can't be done with a multitude of artists the way that it can be done at a major. That That is the absolute way you're going to win at, at, at a major is if you get a record at radio, you're gonna take yourself to the next level and, but that is also a step that you have to get to at a major. They're not just getting a, a record played. At, you're not getting a, a radio budget at a major unless you're showing some sort of sales uh, movement. It's just not lucrative to do it that way. So, but, oh, sorry, go so, ahead. Yeah. Um, something, because I, I feel like we should touch on from now before we, we keep going, but since we entered the space, we've noticed like there, there's always been like a traditional model to how an artist's career moves ahead. And like, so radio in, in the past or till now to, to some people seems like that's that's when you know like you, you've made it or something. But the reality is everything's changed. Like that's mm -hmm. that's not the case at all. You can have the number one song on radio but barely get on any, any streams on any of the DSPs. You could have the number one song on radio but not be able to sell tickets to, 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 to your shows. So in the past, it, that process only moved when you checked every single box. But today, we can put a record out to radio that we know is strictly just good for radio and no one right. else. Right. Um, and so we'll only work with one record. We don't have to work 10 different records until something works, you know what I mean? Um, but as we move along, I know there's, we're gonna talk about a lot of different things, but I wanna be clear, like the, the, sh the, the shift or the, the traditional model of- The lane isn't the same. Yeah, the, the linear model isn't yeah. the same. And that, that's actually where I I was actually going to thank you, Moody, because I was actually going to go there next. Um, you know, streaming is the 
dominant music discovery source right now, even though even though terrestrial radio is still in the game, even though some people think it's not, it's very much still a factor, but it depends on what kind of artist you are, right? And I wanted to ask you this, Chris, like urban is the top genre right now, but that really means hip hop. And hip hop has a lot more freedom, I think, for where it can go and what kind of route you can take and, and how you can break. But what about, like, how do you, when you're looking at an artist for possible signing or when you have developing ta- talent, what do you think like really makes the difference in, in, in you guys will be better suited faring on your own independently versus you're the type of artist that actually needs to be nurtured in, in the kind of large machine that a major can offer. Like we, we claim to be post genre and I know SoundCloud itself is, but genre still exists. Let's be real. So like, what about the R and B artists? What about the aspiring pop artists, et cetera? What do you, do you, where do you think that difference comes in? I mean, I, I don't think that that's specific to genre. I think that's mm-hmm. uh, specific to the artist development process and the timing. And I think a lot of that relates to how early an artist is starting, like um, how many records that they you know, put out, like what's their social following? Um, like what, uh, what's the response to the music? Like what's the engagement from the music, right? Um, so I think like, yes, while hip hop, urban is the the number one leading genre, right? I think that the timing of when you go to a major is really specific to that artist development process that should be happening at an earlier, at an earlier scale and level. And it's, it's about, if you will, leveling up to that point where you're looking for that larger amplification, which again, I think that that is, you know, part of the benefits, you know, of, major labels is is in terms of you know everything should be starting independently everything should be starting with a pulse in terms of whether it's a song that's reacting via soundcloud whether it's a post that goes viral from instagram like it all has to start from somewhere but in terms of the identifying point in terms of indie versus major it's really that maturation process in terms of okay like this is ready. This is ready to go. This is primed. Like this is is ready for that additional gas to be thrown on it. Like like now. And and I think one of the things too, kind of touching on what I think Gabby had said is, you know, on the major side, like we all are being more nimble. We have to be more nimble in terms of you know, kind of reading and reacting to you know uh, a lot of the records that are coming in and how we're finding records and the discovery process because. I think the 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 traditional approach as it was is continuing to evolve, especially in the era that we are now and how we all utilize the benefits of streaming and the social platforms to really identify records and, and when things are ready to go to that next level. Um, get, thanks for that. Uh, Gabby, I want to come back. Well, I want to ask both you guys. Gabby mentioned earlier, you know, signing your life away. And I said, we were going to put a pin in advancement and recruitment. And I think aside from just what Chris just said about maturation level and, and, and the amount of like just power you can put behind something with that comes the financial investment. Right. And that really is, I think one of the, the significant differences between indie versus major, a major can give you more money up front, but they're also putting more money into you that you then have to, make back for them versus an indie where potentially 
you can make more money on the back end. Can you guys talk a little bit? And Chris, I'm going to actually start back with you, even though you just spoke to us about what it really means in the digital age, a lot more lay people and, and, and people who are looking to get in the game know a lot of phrasing about the business. They may not know exactly what it all means, but what do we mean when we talk about advances in recruitment and budgets, album budgets? <laughs> hey, well, listen, there's always that sliding scale of advancement, uh, advances, budget, recording budget versus marketing budget. Um, but definitely going back to one of the points that Gabby said, the more money that is laid out, the bigger the expectations. Right. Because at the end of the day, any monies that are advanced, there's an expectation that you're going to be able to recoup. And as an artist, you want to be able to recoup. You want to be in that position where you, where you can recoup. And the label, whether major and indie, is investing in you to recoup. You know? Mm -hmm. So I think that and this is where maybe the fundamental difference in terms of indie versus major goes to that recruitment process and that expectation process because you know 200 people in, in on a staff uh taking records to radio creating music videos all these things that come into play in terms of creating the vision and the art around an artist and a project you know they have to you know, be paid for. It has right. to be recouped. So again, I think that all leads to the expectation conversation in terms of, okay, how much are we putting in and how much are we expecting to get back? Right. Um, and, and I know it's, it's not that you guys don't have any marketing budgets at Empire and, and, and this album, clearly you do because every album has to be marketed, but, but what, how do you adjust your expectations there in terms of what you're expecting from, sales projections or you know how much like yeah you'll do some radio support but are you are you shooting videos are you doing the artwork are you doing the creative and i'm, I'm sure it varies artist to artist but i'm just asking in kind of a general sense cool so um i think um like something as well we take pride in and i always tell all our artists and whenever we're explaining our business but there's literally no two contracts at empire that are identical um, right every deal is bespoke and I, I feel like these deals are also modular. You can start the deal and then halfway through be like, I want to add merch. Or you know what? I changed my mind about merch. Let's let's carve it out. Um, and so like we keep changing them as we go. Um, we do everything from, you know, the features to the music videos to the promo to the radio. Um, you know, there's some 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 releases had unlimited budgets and still do. Um, and like you know, just going back to radio, you know, we had like. Tiger's Taste, you know, that was his biggest record ever. That was an indie release. We had XXX's entire uh, two albums. That was on the radio as well. That was an independent release. Um, in terms of budgets, we also try and, like, look at the numbers on a, I'd say, like, a weekly basis, be like, okay, like, it's moving at this trajectory. Um, if that's the scale it's growing at, then maybe we can increase the budget by 2x because that means that we should see 2x the streams. Um, event, you know, until we see that it's climax and then we can, like, stop adding the budget there. And most of the time, um, you know, the art artist doesn't even have to ask for the increase. We'll just be like, hey, this makes sense. Let's just keep going. Um, right. um, you mentioned merch. I'm glad you mentioned merch because one of the things that we also, I also wanted to talk about between the three of y'all is the 360 deal and what that means. Um, so I think we all know that music is not 
the music itself is not always the prime revenue earner for artists anymore, um, which is one of the reasons that all these different types of label structures are now so varied and, and, and different people are taking these different options at a greater pace. But what, what does a 360 deal look like? Do, like, I I know that Warner, or at least Atlantic, is is very passionate about them. Uh, I'm assuming Asylum might be or might not be. Can you guys talk a little bit? You don't do 360. Can you guys talk a little bit? Like, what is a 360 deal? Should an artist expect it? What sh- what should an artist expect it to look like? And again, saying all of these things with the disclaimer that, to Moody's point, there are no deals that are exactly like every other deal. This all depends on who you are, what your potential is, et cetera, but just to give you a general understanding. And any, gonna, any one of y'all can jump in. I'll jump in just just to bring you guys up to speed on what why a 360 was ever even imagined. This was Leor Cohen back in the day when we before the internet, before there were ways for artists to actually promote themselves and they needed to rely on the record company to basically do everything for them as a promotion tool. The Orr's concept was I'm building you up. I'm building this brand. I'm spending millions of dollars to make this happen. So we should participate in everything that you make too, because the world wouldn't know who you are if it wasn't for us. Nike wouldn't be calling you, Live Nation wouldn't be calling you, and he was 100% justified in that belief. Because if you're starting from ground zero and you have a team of people that are building you there, then you should participate. That's 20% across the board. That's how life works. You build something up, you get a piece of it, that's, that's just business. And it was brilliant business, and it was started years ago, and everyone adopted that um theory and it was helping us get through the tough times of when streaming wasn't there yet and downloads were were disappearing and we were having this moment where we were like holy shit we're fucking done the industry is we're a wrap so we survived off of the participation of touring and and merch and everything else that the artists were actually profiting off of cut to streaming and now we have this independent space that works because of the internet. So we have had to adjust the fact that some of these kids don't need us for shit. So you can't really ask somebody <laughs> if you didn't do shit. So right. works for a certain act that will sign to Warner, who Chris is one of the best artist developers in the game. If you're signing a kid who's brand new and no one's heard who you are, and they spend most of their money artists developing and making sure that they're looking right and they're getting on tours with other artists that are established. A 360 is well deserved in that space. And it and it has to happen because you have people that get paid in the building who spend their days making sure that your artist is on a tour, your artist has a great merch deal. There, there's people working for that percentage that a major would ask for. That's there's nothing wrong with a 360. I know artists get in an uproar about it, but it's actually beneficial to have a team of people who are busting their ass to make sure that you have multiple revenue streams. Yeah. Um, but um, in space, we just we don't no. do that. Chris, do you wanna do you wanna chime in? Because Warner is one of the majors that is most passionate about the the 360 agreement with their artists, in my per my knowledge. Yeah, I mean, absolutely. And I think just to add to Gabby's point, like we have other departments that will uh, vest in 
those other forms of revenue to build an artist from our uh, a film and, and sync department to a strategic and brand marketing department to shout out to joy sorry yeah yeah, to (laughs) uh, a a touring and artist development department so again these are additional resources and areas that can all enhance you know an artist you know artist proposition and career and you know ultimately it, it is it is proper or it is fair in terms of you know, the, the label benefiting, you know, from those additional uh, resources or the opportunity, you know, that we're bringing to an artist. Um, and it also helps the artist recoup. It's like mm-hmm. an investment. It's an investment in futures, you know, in terms of we're bringing, you know, opportunities, we're investing, the labels are investing in terms of the larger, larger artist development growth, you know, for an artist holistically. So, mm-hmm. yeah, there, there should be some some financial benefits in that as well. And so at a major label, if an artist decides they want to go out on tour, obviously you have to have an a, a booking agent and all of that good stuff. But inside a major, there's a tour department. There's somebody who works with your team on routing, on support around it, on radio around it. They might even give you some money towards it because when you're a new artist, sometimes you have to buy onto a tour, meaning you actually have to pay to participate in the tour. Sometimes a major label will give you that money towards that. What does tour support look like? Does it exist at an empire? Um, so in that specific example to us, that's more on the artist development side. Um, mm-hmm. And so it does exist, it, but it also goes back to what that relationship looked like to begin with. Like, am I, are we, do we have like a four album deal together? Or is this a one album deal and you're out? Um, then it wouldn't make sense that I'm building a repertoire for something that eventually might no longer be here, you know? Um, but it's something we've done all the time. We will even do marketing for their tours if we need to, um, especially if it's attached to a solid name just to help with their credibility or help get more eyes on it. Um, well, you know, we'll, sometimes even the product managers at the company will go on tour with the artists. Um, it's, it's really like based on what that relationship is. Got it. Um, another question I wanted to ask you guys is, for you specifically, Moody, and I'm skipping off it. Of, well, I don't know. Gabby, did you have anything you want to add in on the tour side before I move on? No, okay. go ahead. Um, one of the things that I find really interesting about Empire, like we talk about indie and, and some other, I know some other labels, but you guys specifically, we talk about indie in terms of the route for new artists, but there are also seasoned, established legacy artists who have come out of the other side of major label relationships and decided that they want to have more control at this point in their career. So like, for example, Empire, you guys have Snoop. Um, and I think you have Robin Thicke too. So yeah. like what? So oh, we have T-Pain. You have who, I'm sorry? T-Pain. Oh, T-Pain. Okay, so like what, what do you guys want to talk a little bit about? Like, what does that look like when like you've done the majors, you've had JVs, you've done your thing, you've seen high heights, but you want to stay in the game but you want a little bit more control. What is you guys' role when you're on that side of the career? Um, so I love those relationships because we learn so much. It's completely different. It's not. It's no longer, hey, I'm trying to break an act. Um, a lot of times it's like, hey, I'm trying to translate them into something relative to today, or I'm also educating on what's happening in the industry now. Um, but our role, a lot of times it's like, so for example, in Snoop Dogg's case, it's like, well, you know, in order to come up with like creative ideas for Snoop, we did like merch that 
had augmented reality. And when you put your phone on it, Snoop came out of the shirt and did a whole mm-hmm. thank you speech. Um, and like, he had the freedom to do whatever he wants. Snoop also doesn't want to, he's the kind of person who's done it all. If he wants right. to- Literally uh, done it all. Yeah, he's done everything. He doesn't <laughs> right. need any clout. He doesn't need hype. He doesn't need, he doesn't need number ones either. Like right. he just wants to have fun. So he'll literally text us and be like, hey, I'm putting this out on Friday. And we'll put out, we'll figure out the artwork. We'll figure, we'll, we'll take care of the videos. We'll take care of everything over one text message. Um, and I feel like once you're at that status, being able to like have an entire team assemble and do everything you want on a text message is kind of the least we can do. And is that, um, is that kind of what it is? Is it, and I'm sure, again, I'm sure situations vary, but is it kind of a thing of, I still want to be able to create, I still want to make music. I don't want the pressure of having to deliver based on some kind of standard of measurement that right. I would have, you know, no offense to the major, but that would come along with the major. I, I mean, Chris said something really good and it was like the managing expectations part. Right. Right. And I think, I think a lot of that, when you're like, hey, I'm deciding to be independent, it's like, now I'm going to do my own thing. Now I'm just doing music for me. I'm not trying to have hits. And I feel like when you take that route, it's like, okay, like, I'm not after the hits anymore. Now I just want to speak. Now I just want to produce art. Um, And and that's why that avenue makes a lot of sense to them. Um, Another question that I want to ask all three of you guys to explain to our creators, really, you know, there's a lot of conversation now. So I, so I started in 1998. And in 1998, we were just starting to hear lay people talk about masters and what ownership looked like. Like, that really didn't enter public conversation until Prince went on strike. And what was that, 96? Yeah. Uh, shout out to Warner, by the way. Um, and, uh, but now, <laughs> but now, hey, but now everybody thinks, like, they were like, oh, this artist doesn't own their ma-. Like, people think they know what this whole conversation is. And there are literal people who've been in the business for 20 years who still don't really understand the difference between masters and publishing if you don't actually work in BA or A&R or et cetera. So what are we talking about when we are talking about artists owning their masters, when we're talking about their publishing stake, and how does that vary depending on which one of these avenues you take? Again, again, noting that individual contracts vary, but in general, and Gabby, I'm, I'm going to start with you just because you haven't, you haven't been in the last couple of questions. Um, I, I think that for, as far as masters are concerned, it's it's almost like if you own something that's valuable, mm. then you you would love to have that back if it's right. valuable. If you don't, if you're not streaming, if you're if what you're trying to get back isn't valuable, then it what are we talking about? That's that's the reality of it. So you 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 talk about a master reversion which means when an artist wants their master back after after you've licensed it for a few years you technically can't get it back until the until the company recoups that's any company me moody chris whoever whoever has invested that money so i think it's more of a talking point for artists to feel like they're in control of their destiny because if something does pop off you could you could there could be a hit that comes off of an album that's been sitting on on the shelves for two years things are popping up all the time now and you could end up having a hit on something that's old and then yes that paid off for you that you worked out a deal where you own your masters after a certain amount of years and then then you're in a good space. So it's like a so it's like a loan out against your intellectual property by the company, right? Because I think what what some fans expect now is that out of the gate, 
artists should expect to be able to ask for their masters? Like, Chris, what would you say to that? Yeah, I mean, again, I, I, I just don't think that if you if you go the independent route, you know, okay, maybe that's a possibility, but it's about the investment and it's about getting that return on the investment. And Gabby, you know, Gabby raised an excellent point in terms of if if a label or any company is in investing or putting up certain things um, to invest in an artist, they're gonna want to see the return. Right. It's just it's just the nature of business, you know, to be very honest. So I, th I think that uh, it's expected that once or in certain deals, just depending on the artist, yeah, you, you, you can structure it where, you know, after seven years, 10 years, whatever the term, you recoup, your masters revert back to you. And some artists have that ability to do that. And I think it really all just depends on the, the level of the deal. But again, I think before, you know, any ownership can revert back, you know, there is that recoupment, you know, uh, process as it relates to the investment that the labels are putting into the artists. And what would you say, Moody? Um, I think ownership is something Empire was built on from the beginning. Um, you know, we were one of the first to advocate that. And I love that lately, you know, you always see on Instagram, you know, this, you know, designer had issues, you know, can't get his master's back and so-and-so can't get his master's back. And that's great. Um, and I love that that conversation is coming up a lot more that artists want their masters. But I don't, I haven't seen anyone talk about now that you do have ownership, what do you what do? You do? do? Yes, you know thank you. I, I don't yeah. see anyone talk about that. Because like, what's the point if at the end you're going to get your ownership and you're going to own your masters and you don't do anything about it, you might as well have just let the label take care of it because that's exactly what they were trying to do, you know? Because so, the label can generate money from them. Right. So I just would love that, again, the education of what do you do next now that you own your masters. Right. Um, Great point. I think that's an excellent point. I think you're absolutely right that it is like you have, you have an asset, right? Your masters are an asset. So if you're just going to sit on them, and there's right. nobody who can help you make sure like they're getting licensed and they're getting synced and they're getting placement and they're generating revenue, then you're you're literally just sitting on them. Like that could be the next flex is you have some artists say, yo, I just got my master's, I had the song from 10 years ago and now it's number one. What's up? You know what I'm saying? That's right. a flex. Right, 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 right. Um, so we're going to take some questions from that are coming in from the chat. But before we do that, I wanted to ask each one of you because some of these people are in here listening from an artist perspective, but there are probably some maybe, um, you know, potential aspiring executives in here. Uh, I get, for example, I get people who hit me all the time who just be like, I want to be in the music business. And I'm like, that's a very broad, uh, that's a very broad spans of, spans of options there. Um, do you guys each want to share for you what like, a major turning moment in your career was or what a moment was where you were like, this is what I love doing. This is what I want to do. I know I'm serving a purpose here or even a, like Gabby, you mentioned, you got burnt out. You took some time away. You came back with the passion of, of working more with in, 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 in an indie direction or when you realize like, I want to stay in this game, but this is how I want to do it. Like Moody, I'll start with you. Um, I mean, I'll, I'll, I'll say something which is, um, more, more like advice to, to like being in the music industry or how to be in it. But when I, I remember when I was in Wavo, um, which was a, a market at the time we were like four people when this company started. 
um, one of the first, like the one of the deals that really broke the company off and like hit the next level was I literally emailed someone from Apple Music probably 21 times. Um, no responses, you know, but every single time I was like, I was a gentleman, I was, I was still relentless, but every single email I added like a little bit of value, a little bit of value. And I know, you know, like, because she never said, Hey, I'm not interested that it's still going to come. And right. by the end of those 20 emails, that was like our first major, uh, client. And the first campaign we ran was for Drake. And, that, and we went from running campaigns for like local artists in Montreal to Drake in the span of literally 20 emails. Um, and since then, like, I, I always respect when someone messages me over and over, but is very like respectful in the way they message and they understand their audience. Um, so you don't mind people messaging you over and over? Uh, on, honestly, if like this is, if so, I'm hitting Apple Music about something that would benefit them, right? Got it. And so, like, you're the person that's going to win. And we ended up working with them for two years after that. You know what I'm saying? So, like, I, I was 100% sure that this service and this product was going to benefit you. And, and and we were able to prove it. Got it. Um, Chris? Your your career tipping point or or moment or aha moment or this is, this is how I want to do this. This is my best moment of contribution. Any of those kind of, like key points um i mean that's a hard question but uh I, you know what i would have to say uh i guess a defining moment is really just continuing to embrace the social change that's happening within our industry mm -hmm. um and the the advances in technology and streaming and how it's really just kind of continuing to revolutionize how we interact not only with music but artists um and you know I'll, I'll give an old example an old example and gabby may remember this in terms of not saying that you're old gabby but you know what i'm saying <laughs> <laughs> but, but uh in terms of when the industry was in trouble and napster came about and there was this like no, we got to shut it down. This is this is but like bad. two years. This just, is the ugh. this is the worst thing ever. And yeah. you couldn't shut it down and right. you 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 couldn't stop it. And honestly, I think if the industry had embraced it, like we probably wouldn't have had those couple of years where it was bad and it was looking like, man, how are we going to recover yeah. to ultimately where we are now, where the industry is literally booming because of streaming and technology and and what it means not only for the industry but for artists so right. I'm, i mean i guess in short i would say continue just to embrace the changes that uh, are coming with technology and 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 the benefits that it has not only for the industry and the artists um, but also consumers gabby what about you I mean, listen, I think the most important thing, if you're thinking about getting in this business, the reality of it is, is that you have to be the type of person that understands that the product you're working with eats, sleeps and breathes. And that is just a difficult thing for a lot of kids, especially millennials, no disrespect. But the reality is, is that there is no rhyme or reason to why an artist wakes up in the morning and tells you to go fuck off. By the way, my staff has a bet going on that I'm going to swear the whole time, and that's what I keep doing. Damn right. it. It's okay. 
Listen, so, it's also part of business. <laughs> right. So, you know, there, you, if, you, if you can't walk in this space with, with people who disrespect you, talk to you like you're their child, treat you like you're a piece of shit under their shoe, you have to have a really, really thick skin. And for me, you know, I uh, had to get DMX to Saturday Night Live. This was my moment in the industry where I was like, where did my four years of education go? I'm in the Marriott Hotel with DMX with a pit bull about to rip my face off. He's about to throw a bottle of Hennessy at me and Lior is like, if you don't get him to say the thing that so I'm, I'm going to get fired if I don't get him to say, how the fuck am I, God, how am I supposed to get him to Saturday Night Live? So right. It took me like 30 minutes out in the hallway trying to figure out how to get this kid to leave this hotel. He made me go get him Captain Crunch and cold milk. It had to be ice cold. Not warm, not loop, it had to be ice cold. So I had to go get milk and Captain Crunch before this kid would go to Saturday night. But Gabby, that story with the Leor accent is the best, it's the highlight of my fucking week. I just want you to, and I just did a billboard cover this week and that story was the highlight of my thank you thank you for that thank you that just brought me so much joy um <laughs> that no i think that's a good point that this the, the game isn't for the weak on either side right on the artist side because artists are sensitive if you're coming in you want everybody to champion you you want everybody to give you a yes you want everybody to tell you your shit is great but you are but you become a product right when you are an artist you become a product you become you are you are some you are a person which the executive has to understand, but you as the artist has to understand that you are part of the bottom line at the same time. Um, so I'm gonna take some questions from the chat before we close out. Um, and when we close out, uh, actually I'll come back to that part. But um, so one person asked, we talked about recruitment advances. Somebody asked, when a deal is signed, is the artist notified exactly how much needs to be recouped, like a progress report? So that's called your PNL statement but i'll let everybody explain what that is but that's also why you need a good attorney but i will let um chris i'll go to you what how does an artist know what they're expected to recoup and and where they are in their progress well again i think as you said you you do have and you should have access to your pnl statement which is your profit and loss statement mm -hmm. just so we're clear and you know um you know most companies of course issue that on a quarterly basis where you know, it goes in um, and it reports things that are recoupable and things that are not recoupable. In terms What's of the difference between recoupable and not recoupable? I don't think we talked about that. Yeah, I mean, there's, there's certain aspects that are recoupable based on whether it's uh, video expenses, whether it's marketing expenses. Um, and again, it depends on the, the nature of the deal, but there's certain things that the artist is respected to recoup against as it relates to the marketing of the project versus certain expenses within marketing that are label cost. And right. the label, of course, manages those things as it relates to developing the artist's release or business. So when, and just to interject, so when guys, you hear stories about artists who went broke because they didn't know and then realized that all these cars and hotel rooms and all these things were actually hitting their budget that was that much more money they had to earn before they saw any money on the back end I mean, or how many more how much more how many more units they had to sell etc right but you do get a report and you should your management your lawyer somebody i've yeah, had you should 
I've had an artist, I've had an artist straight audit us before. That's a whole nother story. So yeah, you should, but you should be getting, be able to ask actually, what's our budget look like? How much money do we have? What do we spend? And as a product manager, a lot of times the best way I could talk about artists down off some crazy shit was to be like, this is what your money looks like. Mm -hmm. So if we do this, this is what you got left. And they're going to tell me to turn the faucet off in three months and you're going to be mad. You know, that, that, that type of conversation. Yeah. Um, there's also, I mean, aside from just the PNL, like, like I know on our end, um, every artist or label that signs us, there's just a login. You can go and you can just check where you're at in terms of your expenses in real time. Um, how much oh. is recouped and how much is not recouped. That's um, awesome. Yeah. So any, any expense, usually it's in there within 30 days and you know, there's like a bar. It shows you how far along you are until you're fully recouped um how far along till you know till your check arrives in the mail um we're also working on providing um credit cards like empire credit cards to our artists um so then we can just send them the money directly into their cards their advances yeah are they discretionary so what's, that's the, what's the recoup to go straight there Oh, that's kind of dope. Um, so someone asks, how is the music business dealing with online gaming? And I don't know, I'm guessing this means Twitch because in terms of uh, video games, that's licensed and, and, and covered the same way another sync deal would be. But I'm guessing they're talking about music getting played in Twitch. I don't know if this is a question for you guys or if this is more of like a publishing business and legal question, but do any of you guys want to address that at all? This is like a publishing thing. I think yeah, we're all that's the thing. trying to figure it out. It's not like an yeah. easily answered question. Yeah, I would say it goes back to, so Chris mentioned that when Napster came out, the entire music industry just kind of froze because they didn't know what to do about piracy and digital downloads. And it's the same kind of thing with, uh, especially during IG, like during shutdown, what we've seen happening with the DJs on IG lives and, Versus and Twitch, which is, and, and even um, uh, takedowns on Twitter and YouTube, it's it's something that the industry didn't anticipate, so they didn't solve for, and they don't really know how to embrace it, but get paid off it at the same time. So yeah, that's a, that's a publishing question, and that actually is going to be a conversation we have coming up in a couple of weeks, so we will definitely address that then. Um, we only have a few minutes left. Um, I think we defined, somebody asked what's the definition of a 360 deal. For the record, a 360 deal means that the label actually um, sees revenue from every line of business that the artist has, from not just music, but branding, touring, merchandising, et cetera. So it means instead of just eating off the music, they actually, 360, which is a circle, a complete circle, they they eat off the entire business. Um as we close, guys, first of all, thank you so much. Do each of you have like one parting gem? Like, is there something you would suggest that aspiring artists read, look at, keep in mind somebody they should study, something they should look up? Is there like a parting gem you would like to leave with everybody? Gabby, I'll start with you. Listen, I, I try to say this to every artist who wants to pay attention to this, but listen to your haters. They're going to give you your best advice. Pay attention to what they're saying because more people are haters than they are people who are promoting positivity. And there's a gem in everything that they're saying. Don't ignore that. Pay close attention to that. I like that. Um, Chris? I mean, for me, it would definitely be embrace technology. I think that artists have so many 
you know, benefits uh, that they can utilize right now in terms of not only how they promote themselves, but expose their music um, that just weren't around, you know, a few years ago. So utilize it, embrace it, and develop yourself. Develop yourself in your craft um, before, you know, you, you look to take that leap in terms of whether, whether it's a major or, or even a major independent. Got it. And um, Moody? Um, I would say there's two things I want to say real quick. The first one is pay attention to consumer behavior. Um, like right Very now. Very important. For, yeah, like now is not the best time to come up with a club hit. You know what I'm saying? People are at home, they're in their feelings. Like maybe that's the kind of music you want to be doing. People have shorter attention spans, so maybe shorter intros, things like that. Um, and the second thing is, because um, I was listening to the talk you guys had earlier, and people DMing people to speak to them and stuff like that. You guys have every piece of information you need to speak to someone. Um, if you want to DM someone, you want to hit up someone, it's really easy to be like, hey, I know you follow so, so, and so. My music sounds like them, so I have a feeling you'd like it, instead of just sending a message and saying, drop a comment, this is hot, or some shit like that. Um, that's it. Okay. Thank you guys so much. We appreciate your time. To our listeners, viewers, creators community uh stay tuned we have our last conversation of the day coming up and it follows directly on the heels of this and it is about diversifying your revenue streams ownership what that looks like for you as an artist thank you guys for being with us hold on tight we'll be back thank in you. thank you thank you chris thank you, thank you moody thank you thank gabby you. i appreciate bye, you so much bye gabby bye chris